0: Welcome to the show, and don't forget to check out this month's Nebula exclusive, Giant Space Monsters, as we explore everything from Space Kraken to Giant Sandworms. To get access and help support the show while hearing every episode early and ad-free, plus hours of bonus content, check out go.nebula.tv slash and use my code IsaacArthur. This episode is sponsored by Raycon. I often get asked what the technology I most want to see developed in my own lifetime is, and the answer is always life extension technology. A live forever or die trying, that's my motto. So it's Sci-Fi Sunday here on SFIA, and today we will be examining a popular trope in science fiction, folks living a lot longer, and talk about what that will do to a civilization. Of course Life Extension is not a new topic on the show and not one we regard as science fiction in and of itself, it's a technology that isn't on the distant horizon of the far future or even the near horizon, but one actively making real progress. We've looked at it before in episodes on Life Extension and the Science of Aging, a collaboration episode we did with Sense Institute some years back. Those episodes discuss the science and technology of how our lifespans might be increased whether it is from cybernetics and genetic engineering to tiny robots fixing damage inside us to outright mind-uploading to computers or android bodies. Today we are more interested in the effects of such technology though, so I thought we would look at some of the more common tropes in sci-fi and fantasy that deal with extreme longevity and ask how realistic or flawed those are. As a first example, we often see very long-lived species like elves or dwarves in most fantasy series as having centuries of life and coming from ancient civilizations, and it raises the question of why they are not vastly more numerous than shorter-lived humans. The answer is usually that they have children far less often and those children take longer to raise, That makes some sense in a fancy context where the assumption is they are naturally that way, not technologically altered that way, and typically the product of intelligent design, some creator deities that made them naturally that way rather than a product of evolution. If we suddenly had longer lifespans we might expect a big population boom, and we'll get to that later, but we might start by asking if a species that naturally evolved might live longer and if they would have less kids. Now aliens with longer lifespans is common in science fiction too, coming from older and more advanced civilizations, indeed this is so common we have a trope called Space Elves, and some of the more common examples are the Vulcans of Star Trek the Mimbari of Babylon 5, the Asari of Mass Effect, the Protoss of Starcraft, the Asgard of Stargate, the Talons of Earth Final Conflict, the Eldar of Warhammer 40,000, and presumably whatever species the 900-year-old Yoda of Star Wars is from, plus countless others. They are often older than dot as civilizations, not just individually living long times but coming from a civilization that would think of Egyptian pyramids as a recent innovation, and just so often they are either stagnant or in outright decline which makes sense from a fictional standpoint. If your main protagonists are humans, then having them emerge into a bright and growing empire, whose lead species is in a Golden Age, doesn't leave much room for humans to do anything interesting. Like a lot of science fiction tropes, they exist to create interesting stories, not be realistic portrayals without flaw, but they need to seem plausible on surface inspection for the story to be interesting, this can bias us however to think they are realistic. This one is at least half-realistic. There is no core scientific reason why individual life cannot be extended almost indefinitely, and we would tend to assume it was a major goal of technology. Whether or not this would lead to various types of stagnation and declines in culture or civilization we will return to, however we shouldn't assume aliens would have anything like our lifespans or difficulty increasing them, their pathway to biological immortality might have been a stupid easy accomplishment of their Neolithic period, or built in before they had developed fire. Aging as we think of it is not some natural and universal process that is the biological equivalent of entropy. It is even a universal process on Earth, and the human version that's reflected in most of our mammalian cousins is many different processes with mostly little to no relation to each other, and which you can not only not take for granted would be in all aliens, which should not even assume any of our particular processes would be fairly common in them, again see the Science of Aging episode for discussion of that. What we would expect to be common is that their species would tend to produce the maximum offspring they can handle, naturally anyway. Most mammals produce a litter of young every year or even more often, which are also grown up in a year or around that. Only a handful of the bigger mammals are single-child multi-year childhood sorts, humans, apes and monkeys, elephants, horses, cows, and so on. Having less kids, from a biological perspective, is a bad idea having kids with individually higher survival rates is a good idea. The two tend to be at odds though as most of the ways to enhance individual survivability of offspring require bigger investments of parental effort. This does not even vaguely imply the specific human strategy and timeline is one intelligent lifeforms converge to though. However, there are no advantages to either having long periods when you're not raising kids or to those kids needing long development. Now we can potentially gain advantage to waiting on having kids ourselves, as we can hoard up resources, but that sort of very long-term delaying of gratification is probably the near-exclusive realm of technological civilizations. An exception might be some organism that never reached a maximum size, and just kept growing and growing in capability to gather resources and defend itself, its young and its territory every year. This is sometimes implied to be the case with dragons in fantasy literature, Indeed, dragons are often implied to have even longer lives and maturation periods than elves, along with slower overall breeding rates, and the latter would be rather peculiar for a species that lays eggs. Egg laying is not necessarily at odds with long and heavy investment in offspring, but you would not expect a critter that spent centuries raising its young to be producing dozens of them at once. And again, a long maturation period is not a good thing. A very large body or very complex body or very smart brain can be a good thing, and it might be that it requires a longer maturation period, but that period is not good in and of itself. It is often displayed in fiction as simply a life being slowed down. Some elf or space elf might take a century to become an adult and live a thousand years, and while they might be smarter at 100 years old than the typical 20-year-old human, they don't seem equal to what we expect of a human granted a 100-year lifespan of vigor. It's one thing to delay a species maturation rate for some tangible gain, it is another when the only gain is getting to enjoy having a child for longer. Of course a civilization might go that way, especially if allowed for some gains. If your kids are hitting adolescence in their 30s but have already emotionally and mentally matured a lot more, your society might gain big advantages on things like accidents, crime rates, and the various costs poor judgment tend to have for the individual and the community they live in. Ironically in fiction, attempts to show humans with longer lifespans almost always implies the reverse, mostly negative on a civilization gaining an average lifespan, but longer maturation times that are usefully adding something should result in very impressive adults. If we encounter some sci-fi alien race or fantasy race and they tell us their kids take a century to grow up, then when I'm chatting with their high school graduates, their valedictorian better be talking like they got a PhD in a dozen fields, or its equivalent in life or trade skills, Though of course they might view child labor very differently too, traditionally kids have worked as soon as they could and nature has little use for idle hands and mouths and a species that has a protracted maturation period might have a very different view on education and apprenticeship as a result. So we obviously cannot discount wildly different maturation and lifespans in aliens, but where humans are concerned a longer human lifespan shouldn't be assumed to imply a longer childhood That might be something we actually would do, genetically program future humans to hit puberty later for instance. We often tend to assume this has been occurring naturally too with folks starting puberty at an older age than earlier humans, though archaeological evidence is limited and mixed on that point. We did tend to assume even Neanderthals, our closest evolutionary relative, lived fast, grew quick, and died young, but new evidence says they hit puberty about the same age as us and maybe even a bit later though I should note that we have nowhere near enough bodies or intact skulls to speak with certainty. It's hard to emphasize how small our collection of intact fossils of various species, including our own, actually is. In this case most of the argument for Neanderthals hitting puberty at an older age comes from a Neanderthal child estimated to be just shy of 8 years old and having 87% of the typical Neanderthal brain size. That's not exceptional incidentally, if you did not know the typical modern human's brain is 90% of the adult size by age 5. You have probably also heard that there are concerns about kids hitting puberty sooner than their ancestors did in historic timelines, as in a century or two back, rather than long evolutionary periods of many millennia. This is still debated, but analysis of medieval skeletons seems to put it into doubt, and puberty tends to be delayed by poor nutrition, poverty in general, air pollution, alcohol, and probably many other factors, so it occurring earlier in a given civilization would generally indicate better health. When I speak of delaying it, I'm suggesting we take specific and very technologically powered steps. For today's topic we are discussing extending life in general, and in this context it might be worth asking what effects longer lifespans have had already on humanity, especially with the surge in lifespan this last century. People discussing life extension technology often talk about what we call a takeoff velocity, the point at which life extension techniques are extending lifespans by more than one year per year that's passed. Or so close to it that someone alive right now might live long enough to see that takeoff point. And for my part, I do believe people alive now will see that day, I just don't know if it includes folks only just being born now or folks my age or older. However, when folks go to put a date on when human lifespans began increasing, they won't put it in the 21st century, and I don't mean because it will be in the 22nd century, not only has the average human lifespan doubled in the last century from less early deaths, but people tend to look younger for their age too, anecdotally you can glance through any collection of photos from black and white or sepia photo days and see it. Has this affected us? Hard to say, for all that we talk about how old civilizations treated you as an adult in your teens, it does seem to have varied a bit and your typical modern 18 year old honestly has a lot more rights and freedoms than the historical 18 year old had. Respect is another story. But if it was easier to get respect when younger in the past, it would probably be in large part because first, there were fewer older folks still alive, and second, their culture was a lot more muscle and labor oriented, so a robust youthful body was a more valuable coin than it is in an era of intense automation, computerization, and skill specialization. That is probably going to be really important in the future for longer lifespans too. A lot of younger folks feel low self-esteem or depressed because they feel folks generally don't tend to trust or respect them much, and they feel that way because it's mostly true, folks generally do not trust or respect them as much as they do people who are older. There are plenty of very intelligent and trustworthy teenagers, and plenty of folks much older who certainly don't act it, but by and large folks grow more experienced and skilled with age, and folks respect both those traits. We do value youth, both for new views and out of the box thinking but also for youthful physical and mental vigor and the notion behind life extension is to maintain both those traits. In a civilization where everyone stays physically looking like they're in their twenties when they're 200, the folks actually in their twenties are bound to feel a lot less empowered and respected than nowadays. This would tend to imply you either need to tinker with humans to limit or modify things like ambition or aggression, or you need to give it an outlet. Now one regular fear we have about the future is that folks will turn all hedonistic and slouch off into mansions where robots wait on them hand and foot or dive into virtual worlds where they can play at King or God, effectively ending humanity as a coherent force. If faced with the temptation of idle luxury or casually satisfied egomania, it might be very hard to handle being told you need to spend a hundred years pursuing a career before anyone will even think you should be allowed at the adult table for serious discussion of it. We often say the trait of delayed gratification is one of the most important traits needed to succeed, but centuries might be too much of a delay to be plausible and the core assumption of delayed gratification is that the delayed reward is bigger than the near term one. This could result in humanity essentially dividing into two camps, those folks who dump immediately into those private decadent retreats and those who possess a willingness to spend centuries obtaining goals. Of course such an inward focus need not be a negative thing either, they might be engaging in deep introspection or similar, while on the flip side, an external focus of centuries is not necessarily positive either, that could be described as outright obsessive. It depends a lot on the goals and how worthy they are and that's presumably rather subjective. I suppose from a Darwinian perspective whichever goals result in self-continuation and propagation win out, but those can be rather counterintuitive in a technological civilization. Colonizing the galaxy, though, would seem like one of those long term goals that extended lifespans would favor. If your big issue with space travel is how long it takes, potentially requiring decades or even centuries to reach the nearest new solar system, let alone colonize it properly, a longer lifespan certainly makes that option more attractive. On the other side of that, if your civilization has slow upward mobility from everyone living half of forever so that back home it takes centuries to make any real progress up the social hierarchy, getting on board a spaceship for a new world where you could start off without that climb ahead might be very appealing. If you and a million colonists go to some system and claim some more and divide that space up equally, well, Earth has a land surface area of 150 million square kilometers, so that's 15 square kilometers of land, 16 square miles, or 3,700 acres. Even if you got an uneven share or the colony charter had set 90% of it aside as communal property to be sold or given to future generations, that still leaves you very rich once that world grows to our current population levels. Which you can do faster since people presumably can perpetually have kids, not just grandkids. Now in futuristic terms, land's habit of growing in value does so because population grows. This may be less valid in the future, as we have a whole galaxy of planets to consider, and also we don't really value other star systems just for their Earth-like planets, but all the raw materials we can build stuff out of, like new land inside O'Neill Cylinders or other rotating space habitats. However it works at other things too we're often told to invest at least 15% of our income to retirement, and if we assumed an income of $50,000 a year, around the current U.S. median income, then that would be $7,500. A quick check shows that the 2020 average rate of return on mutual funds was about 10%, and if we round that down to 8% to remove inflation and be conservative, then that investment strategy should give you $220 million in modern value a century from now. That is the compound interest on what was only 750,000 dollars of investment over that whole time, a 30,000% increase. Of course that's a fairly simplified calculation and ignores all sorts of stuff like taxes, market shifts, and income growth as you age, but it is a reminder just how huge compound interest can be. It is also worth asking what the effects of longer lifespans would be on something like that. We often imagine a future in which money doesn't matter much, but let's assume for the moment that it's still a major driving factor in exchanges between various individuals and groups for our discussion today. Interest rates are ultra-low right now in early 2021, which makes some people sigh in relief and others growl in irritation, and the dividing line on that tends to be whether or not your personal economy is focused on borrowing money or loaning money. That obviously tends to vary a lot on personal income levels, but as an example, someone who takes out mortgages to fix up and rent or flip houses loves low interest. Someone who puts their excess earnings into bank savings accounts, CDs, and money markets hates it. You're not making money in those right now because inflation is at a higher rate than interest. That's assumed to be temporary, but basic savings accounts at banks rarely offer return rates way above inflation rates anyway, they exist for security and liquidity, not making money. But the core principle of them is that someone wants your money right now more than you do and will give you back that money plus some more if you let them borrow it for a bit, and the longer that time the more extra they pay, and the bigger the risk they might not be able to pay it all back the more they pay. If everybody lives for half of forever, my gut says interest rates tend to go down and stay down, and maybe even go negative sometimes. A folks' principal investment goal, especially long term, tends to be to have enough money invested that they can live comfortably off the interest and dividends without having to touch the principal, so that you can keep getting that income indefinitely without any effort on your part, often called passive income. However, if almost everyone over 70 is doing that, and most of the population is over 70, and most of them are in good physical and mental condition, thus can work, odds are good that the economic effect of that is going to seriously alter that equation, possibly resulting in interest rates turning and staying negative, or taxes built around discouraging passive income, and many would argue that the reverse is currently true. That might be even more so in an ultra-long-term economy, such as those we might see with post-humans or in the context of those societies and entities we discuss in the Civilizations at the End of Time series, where the simple existence of entropy slowly eroding stockpiles of saved-up resources and energy over trillion-year timelines might dominate economics between mega-computer minds talking to each other across vast tracts of empty space from around the black holes they live on. Incidentally I am keeping our discussion of finance pretty limited here because first, I'm not an expert on it, and second, I don't want to start a flame war off in the comments section about fiscal policy, fiat versus commodity currency, or so on. We can't ignore it though because money is a big factor in life and life extension effects, so needs discussing. It is also our proxy discussion for the reminder that a lot of these practical issues start coming up. A civilization where a majority of folks are ancient and sit at home living off interest, or robot walkers is one where the folks who aren't, rightly or wrongly, probably have serious anger issues at those who are. Those may or may not be justified in many cases and your mileage may vary. Youth being angry at those older, and vice versa, is a paradigm that is older than dot itself, but in a civilization where someone looks 20 when they are 2,000, this is likely to alter a lot and puts a very different spin on concepts like May-December romances too. I recall a bit of fiction, though sadly not the name or author, where the character was thousands of years old, unbeknownst to those around him, who thought he was rather young, and were commenting nastily on how someone older should be dating in their own age range, and he remarked under his breath that he'd have to do all his dating in the Natural History Museum. Which is interesting to consider because folks often object to other folks dating much younger or older than them but the reasons vary a fair amount. For some it's the vast difference in life experience, which would seem only worse for someone who was centuries older, whereas for others it is the implied unfairness of the elder one soon becoming old and infirm and dying off on the younger one who is tied to them through all that and might be limited on many life goals like having kids and raising them. Which is obviously not a problem if neither of you has to worry about dying of old age. In a lot of fiction we see the nominal immortal who stays forever youthful going through a series of partners and spouses and sometimes even children as they age and die, and enduring the perpetual heartbreak of that. But we are not contemplating a fictional scenario where some small number of folks are magically living long lives, but rather one where anybody who wishes to live longer can do so. Of course if everyone is living longer then population growth becomes a real issue. There is a lot of debate these days about if our population growth rates are declining as we grow more prosperous, and if they are, if that might dip below replacement levels. That's out the window with real life extension technology though because even if lifespans are only doubling or tripling, it would seem to massively shift the equation on things like career versus family. Many folks, especially women, have to choose between focusing on a career in their 20s and early 30s or starting a family and the compromise tends to be fewer kids by starting later. If folks live centuries, fewer kids isn't really the result of starting later. Alternatively, if life extension occurred but fertile duration and women did not extend with it, you might see folks opt to start families young and do careers later, which might have some interesting effects on family structure, like heavier grandparent and great grandparent involvement in child rearing and households where folks tend to move out with their kids when those kids were having children, rather than the norm nowadays or idealized norm where someone moves out to start a career and family. If your typical person can live hundreds of years and does, mostly only has kids between 20-50, to 50, then you might see a family shift to extreme multi-generational where real queers don't start till year 100 and you're expected to devote a lot of your income to raising and supporting your great-grandchildren, which you are presumably doing in a youthful body of your own with a century of life experience and accrued resources. Amusingly in a case like that I could imagine a lot of interstellar colonists not being youths looking for new opportunities, but older folks looking to move on now that all their own immediate descendants are well established and they've gotten bored with their own career and day-to-day life and wish a new place and a new challenge. Also since any given place can only handle so many people, whether it's a sparsely populated world or some dense Dyson Swarm, they might internally set some rules encouraging older folks to leave rather than younger folks. There's a lot of other ways that might go too, setting maximum lifespans, like in the story Logan's Run, or doing something like the Biblical Jubilee where twice a century land got redivided or debts nullified, and a society might see that or parallels as a very necessary option in a near-immortal culture, you might do things like that to open up opportunities to younger generations while encouraging older ones to move on which might be seen as a beneficial strategy for colonies too. As we all seen, there are some downside to long lives, especially to the society which has to deal with population growth worries in a whole new way, and changes to family structure and economic priorities. Mostly though it is upsides, I'd say, regardless of what fiction often says. I think the tendency to portray longer lives as a bad deal in fiction is almost a reverse of that grass always being greener on the other side of the fence. Folks figure they can't get to that longer-lived pasture, so painted as ugly and barren, so as not to feel bad about not being able to have it. It's one where most people have had time to develop huge skill sets and personal wisdom, to pursue a thousand hobbies, to read a million books, where they can benefit from enormous and long-lasting friendships and families, where only a tiny fraction of their economy is devoted to educating or supporting youths or seniors in the decades prior to or after their main employment period. It's one where someone can actually get all their bucket list items done, done right, and without neglecting other life goals or responsibilities. Of course I might be biased, I'd very much like to live several more centuries and can't imagine getting bored with life, a lot of folks tell me they feel different. So it is hard to predict if it would be a net benefit, much like post-scarcity civilizations where robots do most of the work and the poorest pauper, assuming you even use money, lives in a mansion, success brings its own risks and challenges and those challenges would vary by the individual. It isn't hard to imagine lives of thousands or millions of years, or even billions or trillions, getting unbearable or changing the person living it into something very inhuman for good or ill. I don't think any civilization that emerged millions of years from now in that sort of post-human existence would resemble ours much, and maybe sci-fi will be right about it tending to be old, cold, stagnant civilizations whose individuals live too long. What seems to emerge though, in the near term, at least compared to sprawling galactic empires or post-stellar hypermines, is that longer lifespans gives us a huge reason to forge new worlds, be it on an alien world, a rotating habitat we built in orbit, or a bunch of virtual kingdoms people live on or rule. Fundamentally, longer lives seems to call out for more and larger worlds to live them in. So that'll wrap us up for today's Sci-Fi Sunday episode, and depending on your time zone weather I hope you've either been enjoying this spring weather or plan to. For my part I do a lot of walks and cycling, and it's a great way to unplug a bit and get away from screens, plus a good way to extend your own lifespan. I generally like some audio when doing that, either some music or an audiobook, and especially for outdoor exercise, it's nice to have a good pair of earbuds with noise-isolating features without dangling wires, and at half the price of other premium earbuds I'd recommend trying out Raycon's Everyday E25 earbuds, plus they have a good battery life and very compact charging case with its own battery that can recharge them four times while you're on the go, which means they are recharging every time I put them back in their case for safekeeping even when I'm far away from any power outlets. Raycon earbuds give you 6 hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design for a comfortable, noise-isolating fit. Raycon is disrupting the electronics industry by designing premium wireless audio for half the price without compromise. They're doing things differently than other brands out there, from the way they design their products to the way they price them, Raycon prioritizes their customer experience from start to finish. The company was co-founded by Ray J and is popular with celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, and many others for their comfort, style, and playtime. They also come in a range of colors and style, and Raycon has a 45-day free return policy. Whether you're taking up a new hobby or just want to make your day-to-day life a little bit more comfortable, Raycons are the perfect way to bring premium audio to everything you do, and if you'd like to give them a try, click the link in the description box or go to buyraycon.com slash Isaac to get 15% off your Raycon purchase. So we're looking at longer lifespans today, and this is often seen in connection with what we think of as a Utopian or post-scarcity civilization. And this Thursday, April 15th, we'll look at another challenge to future civilizations besides long lifespans, which is finding a purpose for them, or creating one such a world also may not be populated by modern humans in the biological or psychological sense, and that's something we'll look at on April 22nd as we examine transhumanism and post-humans. Then we'll wrap up April with another Fermi Paradox episode where we'll ask what the impact and changes to our discussion of the topic are when we contemplate concepts like multiverses and the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. If you want to know when those and other episodes come out, make sure to subscribe to the channel, and if you'd like to help support future episodes, you can donate to us on Patreon or on our website, isaacarthur.net, which I'll link to in the episode description below, along with all of our various social media forums, where you can get updates and chat with others about the concepts in the episodes and many other futuristic ideas. You can also follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify to get our audio only versions of the show. Until next time, thanks for watching and have a great week.